All right, today I want to preach a message entitled The Direction That Christ Gives. We're going to continue the I Am series. And um, we're going to be looking at the seven I Ams that Jesus had talked about in the book of John. And we know that Christ is the good shepherd. The good shepherd. And today, as, as the worship was playing, you could feel the healing of God taking place over people's lives. You could feel his presence here in, in a very tangible way. Even right now as I'm preaching, I can feel his presence here in this place. It's so amazing, his goodness and his grace. Um, but we know him as a great physician, but today we're going to be looking at him as the good shepherd. Everyone say the good shepherd. And so we, we looked at, he said, I am the true vine in the book of John, chapter 15 and verse 1. We looked at, I am the resurrection and the life, the story of Lazarus and Martha and Mary in the book of John, chapter 11 verse 25. And then last Sunday, we looked at him as the door that Christ, what does he bring in our life? It starts with the P. He brings protection. Amen. Praise. I'm kind of disappointed in you. I guess you weren't listening last Sunday. <laughs> well, you're going to have to go watch it at you, on YouTube this afternoon. I'm just playing. I'm a pastor. I'm used to that, right? All us pastors know about this stuff. So Christ, he brings the protection. He is the door. We're going to be looking at him as the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to heaven except through him. We're going to be looking at that in a couple of weeks. We look at the statement, I am the bread of life, the book of John, chapter 6, verse 35. And then also he said, I am the light of the world. We live in a very dark world, but the good news is we have Christ as our light. Amen. But today we're going to be looking at the gospel of John. So while we turn there, the gospel of John. And uh, we're going to go to chapter 10. And when you get there, say amen or say I am there. Gospel of John, chapter 10, in verse 11. And Jesus says these words, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, he says. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. While we go ahead and pray, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for every person that made it out today, Lord. And right now, Lord, I pray that your name would be honored, that your name would be glorified. We thank you for the privilege to be in your house. And I thank you personally for the privilege just to preach. I count it a great honor, Lord. I pray today that my words would be in line with your word. I pray, Lord God, that I would speak from your heart, not mine. And I pray today, Lord, that you get all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And all of God's people said, amen. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you didn't know which direction to go? You didn't know which step to take. Do I go, do I go this way? Do I go that way? Uh, which way do I go? But we were talking about last week that we are the sheep, every single one of us. We are the sheep. I'm a sheep. Bah, bah. You're a sheep. And the shepherd of our souls is Christ. He is the one that we're looking to for direction. He's the one we're looking to for answers in our life. You know, we can look this way, we can look that way, but the reality is this, that each and every one of us have to contend for the will of God for our lives. We have to seek his face. We have to seek his word. We have to fast. We have to pray. We have to uh, ask God for godly counsel inside of our life to give us direction and leading inside of our life. Now, Jesus said, I, he didn't say, I am, you know, a good shepherd. 
He didn't say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And what that word good in the Greek is kalos. And what that means is good, beautiful, righteous. As opposed to something that's wicked, unholy, something that's bad. We know today that we used to live some very bad lives before the good shepherd came, the Lord of our life, right? And maybe you're here today, you don't know the Lord as your Lord and Savior today. I want to give you some really good news. Jesus wants to be the shepherd of your life. He wants to lead you in a path of righteousness. He wants, to, he wants to give you hope and joy. And how many believers do we have that you have hope and joy now ever since Christ came into your life? You know, you have his joy. You have his peace. You're like, Danny, Pastor Danny, I still have problems. Hello, we all have problems. Hello, we all have issues. Hello, we all have bills. But, you know, when we get to heaven, no more bills. Thank you, Jesus. It's paid by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. No more mortgage for those who have mortgages. No more rent. No more car note. No more gas bill. It's going to be all paid, and we're going to be flying like angels. Can't wait. It's going to come here like this before you know it. Before we know it, we want to be ready. But he is the good shepherd. These statements that he said, I am the good shepherd, this was huge in his day. This was huge even today. He's saying, I am the Messiah. I am the one that the prophets had talked about. I'm the one that Isaiah talked about and Jeremiah had talked about and all the minor prophets had talked about and, and Moses had talked about me. I am the fulfillment. I am that I am. Now we know in the book of Exodus chapter 3 that only God can say that statement. I am that I am. But Jesus came to the scene proclaiming his deity that he was fully God and fully man at the same time. He says, I am the good shepherd. He leads us. He guides us. He strengthens us. He knows exactly what we're facing today. And you know the awesome thing about God? God knows us perfectly. Did you know that? God knows us perfectly. He knows our quirks. He knows what triggers us, what gets us angry, what words that we shouldn't hear because, well, you know, we're going to rage. He knows us. And he loves us. And he wants to lead us because he is the good shepherd. Now, a shepherd, um, their job is to nurture, their job is to protect, and their job is to lead. To nurture, that means to, to give food. How many of us love food? Last night, we had some tri-tip, and it was so good. Oh, Lord, is this what you're going to, is this what you're going to serve at, at the Lamb Supper, you know, tri-tip? It was so good. And we, we had such a great time. We were, we were there eating. And, um, but God, he leads us to, to nourishment. And then he protects us. We are talking about him as the door last week, that he protects us. That he'll, he'll lay down his life for us. And then also today, that he directs our path. The first point today is he directs us on the right path. Have you ever had a friend lead you astray? Have you ever had somebody give you some bad advice? Have you ever had someone say, you know what, you need to you know, do this, and then we find out it was some bad advice? It was some bad advice. The good news today is that Jesus, he'll direct us on the right path. During the COVID pandemic, there's been, there's been skyrocket sales of Bibles. 
all across the board, all kinds of Bible companies, they're, they're getting all kinds of orders for Bibles. And you know why? Because people right now, in a time of crisis, they are looking for direction from God. They're looking for direction from God. Just last year, the, the, the Version Bible app, it has seen an 80% increase. 80% increase in people searching up their Bible app because people today, they're looking for answers, and that's the right place to go. He wants to direct our path. How does he direct our path? He directs our path through his word. Through the word of God, God, he guides us and he directs us and he leads us in the path of everlasting. He, he guides us through his word. Let me tell you this. Do you have a dusty Bible? Do you even have a Bible? Today, God, he wants us to be in his word every single day, being in his word, growing in his word, letting his word penetrate our hearts. What does the Bible do? It brings nourishment to our lives. I'm going to stay there for a, a, a second. You know, it's so easy for us, you know, to, to be in all kinds of other things than to be here. And I'm a pastor. I'm preaching from, a, uh, from this point. I'm a pastor. That's my job is to, to be a righteous man, to be, be in the word, to be praying, to be fasting, all those things. But I am a Christian. I'm a believer. And I'm not just supposed to be studying the word of God during when I study my sermons. I'm supposed to study the word of God every single day. But that's the same thing for you. That we're all sheep. We all need to hear his voice. Every single one of us, we need to be in his word. We need to be growing. We need to be, as the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is given by God's inspiration. And it's profitable. That means there's increase. How many like to make profits? You know, you guys, you do a side job. Maybe your sisters go do some sister's nails or you cut her hair. Or, and you spent $10. But doesn't it feel good when there's a profit? You make $20? What about when you're losing money, though, for you that do side jobs? You bought all kinds of tile and then you overspent. And then you're losing out on the job. You're unprofitable. But the Bible says that the word of God is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the woman of God, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. How many, how many need the tools? We need tools. If we're going to do something, we need the right tools. But in life, we need tools that no one can see. They're spiritual tools. That the man of God, the woman of God, that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good Work And this is Paul talking to young Tim and telling him, Tim, you need to be in the word. So we have to be in the word of God. Um, the Bible says in Psalms 23, verse 1, it says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Everyone say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Wow. You know, when you feel like, man, I can't go forward, and then 
all of a sudden God gives you that word. Like today, today as uh, Brother Juan was being used in the prophetic, my spirit was edified. That God knows what we need. God knows what we need when we need it. I feel edified. I feel edification inside of my spirit. How many of you were edified through the worship as we were worshiping? We were praising him. And we know that the enemy attacked the worship team because he didn't want what take, to take place to take place. So he'll attack the musicians, he'll attack the ushers, he'll attack the nursery workers, he'll attack the Sunday school teachers, and that's why we got to thank all of our volunteers. As you're leaving, tell them, hey, I thank you. Thank you for watching my two-year-old. Thank you for being an usher. Because our culture needs to be a culture of thanksgiving. Because, you know, this weekend, we had a bunch of people here till 2 o'clock in the morning. And they were just doing it unto the Lord. They had smiles on their face. And this week, we had some people come instead of speakers on their day, on their their personal time, they came, they were saying, I'm speakers, and no one was seeing them, and the speakers were heavy. Be thankful. The Bible says he leads me to a place of still waters. That represents his peace, the peace of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he restores my soul. This represents God's renewed strength in our life. Hallelujah. That he renews our strength. As, as Isaiah says in chapter 40, verse 29, even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble, we fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Those who wait on the Lord, that's what happens when we wait on him. That's what happens when we're praying. That's what happens when we're coming here uh, before service. As Eric was talking about, we have prayer every single service, an hour before, and we're waiting on him. We're like, Lord, do what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord, that we could even be here. And we're seeking his face. We're waiting on him. And in that moment, he renews our soul. The no another thing that he does is he leads us in the path of righteousness. This represents Christ leading us towards him. See, when we're... Seeking him, he's drawing us near him. We're, we're being drawn towards him. We're being drawn towards him. And he's nourishing us. How many of us have been nourished by the Lord recently? How many of us are, right now, you, you are dry. You're like, oh, Lord, please touch me, Jesus. He wants to nourish you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he laid down his life for you. And, you know, for us husbands... And for you single men and for you single sisters, you want to see this representation as well. Because when you do get married, because I believe that God does have someone for you. If that's the desires of your heart, I believe that God does. You just need to live that righteous, pure life. Just go forward for the Lord. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, we see a picture of Christ nourishing the church. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her 
with the washing of water by the word, and that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. The Lord, as a shepherd holding a sheep, valuing it, ownership of a sheep, having that ownership, because how many of us know that he bought us by his blood? We know that it's basic theology. We're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are his. We're not our own. The Bible says we've been bought with the price, therefore to glorify God with our bodies. Amen. So we're bought with this price, so we got to glorify him. But we see right here in this text that Christ, he nourishes the church. He nourishes the church. He loves the church. He gave his life for the church. And then it jumps to us husbands. Wow. Husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. How many of us husbands were like, man, wow. How many of you single men are like, man, is that what it encompasses to get married? I might not get married. That's a big prize, Pastor Danny. Oh, yes, it is. How many husbands can attest that it is a big price? Amen. Amen. To love your wife the way Christ had loved the church. But how many of us men, us married men know it's worth it? It's worth it. It's worth the price. It's worth the price. Some of you men are like, I don't know if I should clap. <laughs> but us men, we know it's worth the price. That was thrown in there for Valentine's Day. <laughs> so Christ, he leads us um, to the right path. But another thing is that he leads us by example. By example. How many of you have ever been in a place where you, you, you had to do something and someone had to show you what to do and you learned that way through seeing them do what they were supposed to do? How many of us learned that way? I, I, I learned that way. I know many of us, we learned that way by seeing, by watching them do certain things. Uh, it's especially true for musicians or even construction workers. You have to see and then you're able to do those things. Now, Christ is so awesome because he leads us by example. He leads us by example. As a shepherd, he leads us by example. Now, in the book of John, chapter 10 and verse 13, we see a bad example. We see a good example. We see a good shepherd. We see a bad shepherd. Now, the Bible says in John, chapter 10, verse 13, it says, The hireling flees because, oh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you, Eric. Oh, I'm going to take another drink. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, John chapter 10, verse 13 says this, The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. Now, the hireling statement, it refers to the, the Pharisees of the day who were the religious teachers of the day who did what they did. Um, a lot of times they did what they did to be seen by men and they did what they did to get paid and they did what they did because the prestige that went with being a Pharisee of the time. They would walk around in flowy robes and they would have the nicest seats in, inside of the synagogues. Um, they would, when they would do a gift to the poor, they would announce it with trumpets. Ba -da 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 -da. I'm giving my tithes today, everyone. <laughs> -da 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 -da. I'm paying a pledge, even though we haven't picked the pledges in this church. It's like they always wanted to be seen by men. Now, Jesus came and he was low key. I mean, there were so many things that he could have capitalized on. They wanted to make him king. And what did he do? He kind of said, All right, guys, see you later. Slipped off in the crowd. Because he wasn't about a kingdom down here. He was about a kingdom up there. And so that's where his heart was. Now, he gives us an example to be humble. He gives us an example to, to love and not to be pharisaical, to be a Pharisee, to be acting like them. So he said, be humble. Now, I want to tell you, he gives us a great example of how to be a shepherd. For those who are here, you're called to preach, you're called to be a pastor. I want you to really take notes. But in any capacity of leadership, Christ gives a great way to be a shepherd. And he breaks it down in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. Peter's talking to the elders. He's talking to the leaders. And he says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Everyone say willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Everyone say eagerly. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Everyone say examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade Away, So we see for us, we see this, that we have to lead, not under compulsion, not like, oh, man, I have to be a Sunday school teacher. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, we have to go to outreach again. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, we have to have band practice again. Oh, again. I'm singing again. I'm on the rotation again. No, he says willingly. Like, oh, man, what a privilege. It is to be an usher in the house of the Lord. What a, what a privilege it is to clean the toilets in my father's house. What a privilege it is to be unknown to anyone and to be seen by him. So we see the willingness and then uh, we see the eagerness. Eagerness. It says not for, not, um, this for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Eagerness to be in the house of the Lord knowing that, man... We're, we're getting a paycheck in heaven for everything we're doing for his kingdom. Man, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? We're gonna, when we get to heaven, man, there are some blessings up there. There are some blessings up there that you just like, man. Man, you're going to be like, whoa. Whoa. This is all for God. You know, I'm thinking about like Pastor Clem, my Aunt Maria, they're gonna, all those things they did in Russia and Estonia and Montebello and, and just their sacrificial gifts. 
just giving in and just giving unto him, not to be seen by anyone. You think about that. Some of us, when we get to heaven, we're going to be looking at our mansion going, man, it's not even a mansion. It's a two-bedroom apartment. And God's going to be like, I told you to do it unto me. You're doing it unto that person. You're doing it unto that. And you're like, oh, man. And then some of you get to heaven, and you're going to be like, oh, Jesus, today is my payday. You know, the Bible says that our works will be tested by fire. Everything that we did to him is going to be as gold. And everything that we did for everything else is going to be ashes and burned away. The accolades of men will burn away. Being seen by man will be burned away. Titles and positions are burned. The only title and position that is in heaven is servant. All those will be burned away because he is the chief shepherd. He is the chief shepherd and he is going to what? He is going to reward each and every one of us for what we've done for his kingdom. His example is one for us to follow. Gentleness, eagerness. The Bible says, you know, it, it really gets good. It says, not as being lords over those entrusted to us, but being examples to the flock. Now, what, what that says to us is in this time of, of the Roman rule, there was a hierarchy of people. Okay, this person was above these people, and then there was centrons or above these people, this many people, and they would lord over them. They would, they, would, they, would, they would boss them around. How many of us know in the kingdom of God there's no bossing around? That might have worked in, you know, maybe 20 years ago, but that's not what God's called us to do. If you're a leader, you're to lead from humility. You're to lead from uh, being kind and, and gentle to those who've been entrusted to you because they're not yours. They're God's. Did you know that? The people that are under you are not yours. They're God's. Even this church, this church, I, I told the leaders a couple weeks ago, this church, um, uh, they they. I said, there's, there's no lead pastor here. I go, Jesus is the lead pastor here. I said, he's the chief shepherd. I go, I'm an under-shepherd, so I guess I'm the assistant pastor here. <laughs> but that's fine with me because I want his blessing over this congregation. Yeah. I want him to do what he does over this church, what he does over this church. So guess what, church? There's no yelling. There's no screaming. There's no, hey, you need to, you know, submit to me because I am so... You know what? We submit to Christ. We submit to Christ and Christ alone. And we lead by example. We lead by example. The example that God has called us to lead with is willingness, eagerness, gentleness. All these things. We lead as Christ leads. As the worship team makes their way up, Today, the last point is, he guides us to safety. The Bible says in Psalms 23, verse 4 through 6, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One man said this. He says, God has not abandoned us in any more than, he's ab- than he has abandoned Job. He never abandons anyone on whom he has set his love. Nor does Christ, the good shepherd, ever lose track of his sheep. He's with us. He knows where we're at. The Bible says he leads us. He leads us. Man, that's awesome. We read that. He leads us. He leads us. That's, that's amazing. Man, that's, that's so good that he leads us. He leads us. The very first park service that we had, the, the prayer meeting that we had, many of you were there. I think it was September 29th. We were there. And we were there and we were just worshiping, we were just praising. And he was there as a shepherd. As a shepherd, he, he led us there. He led us to that, to that park. And then what happened was the police, not the police, the safety people from Norwalk, they, they were on us. So we got kicked out of that park. We didn't know where we were going to go. Then we went to Founders Park here in Whittier. Two services. We didn't know that's where they had a lot of seances and all that wicked stuff. We didn't care. We were still worshiping. We were worshiping. We're like, we're taking over. And Jesus, Jesus is here. He's taking over. Jesus is taking over. And he took over. He, he took it over because he's leading this church. He's leading this church. Danny is out of the way. This person is out of the way. My wife is out of the way. The head usher is out of the way. All of us are out of the way. He's the one who's leading in this church. He's leading us. And where is he leading us to? He's leading us to live and to proclaim his name and, and to, to share his goodness and to raise up another generation to, to do the same, to be ready when he returns, to be as those wise virgins that kept their lamps burning and burning this church. We want what? We want the heart of God to lead this church. And so he's leading this church. He's guiding this church. And he's leading us safely. Safely. That's the way he leads. Safely. And so how does he do this? He paid a price to do this. The Bible says in John 10 verse 17, Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up. The command I have received from my Father. The Bible says in Titus chapter two, verse 14. I mean, this is a good, this is a good verse to memorize. I wanna memorize this verse, it's really cool. It says, who gave himself for us. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So we're, 
we're serving God, we're going forward for the Lord, we're, 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 we're pressing on, we're going forward. But you know what? Um, how many of us want to make it home all the way to heaven? How many of you have been serving God for 20 years now? You know, you got saved in 1985, you got saved in 1979, you got saved in 1997, you got saved in 2003. Some of you got saved last week. But regardless, he has a destination and a home for us. And for you OGs that have been saved for a long time, there's some good word in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 17. And at this point in Paul's life, he's in prison and all of his friends had forsaken him. He was all alone and he's writing his young disciple. And he's going through a rough time and he says these words though. He goes, but the Lord stood with me. But the Lord stood with me. How many of us know it feels good when the Lord, you know the Lord's standing with you? It says, but the Lord, he stood with me and he strengthened me. He strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul was saying, he goes, you know what? In my weakest, darkest moment, God, he stood with me. He said he delivered me from the mouth of the lion. That's the mouth of Satan. He said he delivered me, but not only did he deliver me, he's going to preserve me all the way to the day that I make it inside of his arms to be with him forever and ever. Amen. No matter what trial you're going through, no matter what direction you feel like, should I go this way, should I go that way, let Christ lead the way. Be receptive to his voice. Say, Lord, I want to honor you. I want to be that man that you've called me to be. You're the good shepherd, and I'm just a sheep, and I'm just going to follow you. If we could all stand in this place today, thanking you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness. Why don't we give God worship today? Why don't we give him praise right now? Oh, Lord, we praise him.